On today's Question of Faith, what is a lay ecclesial minister? Hey there, everybody. This is Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes. I am the Director of Young Adult Ministry here in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damian Ferentz, the Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Michelle Nowak, the Director of Lay Ecclesial Ministry for the Diocese of Cleveland. Hey, you're new. I am new. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. You're the perfect person to have on this uh, show for this, to answer this question. Imagine that. Wow, (laughs) it worked out. That does help very Mm -hmm. much to Mm -hmm. define what it is I do, right? Or what it is I am in some ways. Um, A lay ecclesial minister is actually a generic term, according to coworkers in the vineyard. Um, It's more. What's coworkers in the vineyard? That is a document uh, that the bishops put out to define the scope of what lay ecclesial ministry is and in many ways um, what the formation should entail and how should people understand what it means to be um, the role of a lay ecclesial minister. Okay, so for some time when people thought of ministry in the church, they would think of priests, they would think of religious. Um, I just recently read the four uh, documents, the main constitutions of the Second Vatican Council, Mm. and Again, I've read them before, but the lady sure. were called forth um, to be salt, light, and leaven for the world. So the primary role of the lady is like out in in the world doing their doing their minute their mission is being and living where they they live and move and have their being and all that. But um, lay people are also called to do particular ministry in the church, and this is something that's not um, novel but has been highlighted since the Second Vatican Council. So the lay ecclesial ministry office in the diocese is about how old? Do you know? It's about 30 years maybe? Or I would say it's getting closer to 40 years okay. because they're uh, wow. in the 80s. There was okay. an initially you know, class, uh, people that were uh, certified as lay ecclesial ministers. Oh. So it's been, it's been here for a while. And it used to be called the pastoral ministry office. Pastoral ministry was less of a mouthful than lay ecclesial ministry, right. which That's now people saying. are like, what's ecclesia something? Right. And I thought that was such an important piece in the term. Like I, cause to myself, I thought, well, pastoral ministry is so much easier to say. Um, but in looking at the information too, and, and trying to understand to help people understand what is a lay ecclesial minister, because so often I get the question, well, why, why do I do that? Why mm-hmm. would I become certified? What does it mean? Um, and I think at the heart of it, that ecclesial part um, of the term is we're, we're meant to serve the church, right? But we're not meant to serve the church. Like we're, it's in that sense of our sacrament of initiation mm. um, that we are helping in mm-hmm. the work of the church, but it's authenticated by the hierarchy. So mm-hmm. there's that sense that, you know, you have had formation, that you have been um, academically, that there's a way in which you are set apart for service and leadership based on, and that the um, bishop would authenticate in our certification ceremonies mm-hmm. that happened in October. So. Yeah, I remember when I went to grad school, the, the dean sat me down and said, well, you know, he said, we started the school, he said, in order to give people training so it's not just the willing volunteer who showed up who kind of knows the catechism <laughs> and who's now like teaching people. And he said that, you know, and they're very nice and they're very helpful and everything else. He goes, 
but they're not ministers because and they're not people who should be doing the various things that we're doing so we're going to give you training to do that absolutely and that's what our seminary does here as well right right and for some it's you know they've had an academic background maybe they studied theology or had um, that aspect of it but part of being a lay ecclesial minister and that authorization that the bishop gives for certification says also you've been formed you've been formed spiritually you've been formed pastorally to understand what does it mean to to lead um in the ministry that you are with for lay people you know and again not not ordained um but in that way of collaborating and working together and cooperating with the service of the church. Hence, co-workers. Co-workers, that's it, co-workers. And you are a lay ecclesial minister, correct? A certified I lay ecclesial. And when, when, did you, when were you certified? And what's the, what was the process like, and what is it like now? So the process was similar, same as it is today. Um, when I went through the program um, 20, about 20 years ago, there's the academic portion, about 30 credit hours of academic preparation, um, and I chose to to do my academic work at St. Mary's Seminary, mm-hmm. um, which was just a wonderful experience um, and a privilege to study there and get my master's in theology. And then there's the formation on Friday nights, where once a month on Friday night formation, you come with a cohort um, that you're each year is a focus of formation. So there's human formation year one, spiritual formation year two, pastoral formation year three. And then along with that is mentoring experiences so that you're meant to go out and gain experience beyond your area of ministry. At the time, I was a youth minister Mm. um, at St. Helen Parish and went through the program, but my mentoring experiences were out at St. Gabriel's Church. They were at St. Noel's in RCIA, in PSR. And I thought, oh, will I ever do these different ministries? And sure enough, of course, over time, I was involved in those ministries as well. So that mentoring was valuable. Um, And then a field experience, something that brings together all the mentoring experiences that you do, um, where you create something unique and Mm. For me, at the time, it was a service week that we still do at St. Helens after mm. all these years called Harvest Workers. So um, that was something I created out of all my mentoring experiences and formation. That's and that's cool. what it still is today. So That's great. Mm-hmm. And so you started in this office part-time back in February or January? January. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you just concluded your time. You were working at Notre Dame Cathedral Latin High School as the chair of the theology department prior to this new position and then you came into this position in June is that correct so that full time correct. in June full time in June and right. you just welcomed in your first cohort is that what you call a class that comes in together or is there a name I, for it I, I don't know that there's an official name but I've been calling it a cohort, cohort that sounds just, nice sounds nice mm. yeah. so we just welcomed in a new group um, of six in our group um, all women but from different areas and and lay ecclesial ministry is also for both men and women mm-hmm, as sure. well in the church um, as the opportunity to serve again in, in the different roles that we serve in the parish. Um, but a great group uh, diversified in areas of ministry, too, uh, some youth ministry, some teachers, some as well in um, marriage ministries and looking to be certified mm-hmm. to do more work in the church in different ages too right yeah mm-hmm. 20s to probably i don't know 
I'm going to guess, in the range of <laughs> 50s. But yes, absolutely, all That's age awesome. ranges. And I would say within, you know, within the program overall, too, same across the board. So, yeah, it's a, a wide variety. And it's, it makes for a great sharing within that formation process of experience and um, experiences of faith, but also experiences of ministry. And you just kicked off your uh, year of formation with a retreat at the seminary at the Center for Pastoral mm-hmm. Leadership, and Father Mark Ott was the retreat director. Is he that was right? our retreat director, yeah. and it was a, the Glorious Road to Joy was our retreat, and it was a, a great retreat on the concept of, of finding that enduring joy um, in the midst of life and in the midst of overcoming experiences of shame in different ways. So shout out to Father Mark. He did an incredible job. How how many made the retreat? There were 35 of us on retreat. So did they comment on the newly renovated rooms at the seminary at all? They did love the renovated rooms and they were actually people were asking about can we come back and have retreats here at different times because it was an incredible gathering space and then we had the rooms that were like you know Mm-hmm. amazing hotel suites they really were incredible and the food they commented on was really good too so we give a shout out to the shout culinary to crew Betza joe and, and the crew at yeah yeah they did a great job but it was it was a good kickoff to our year because our retreat combined those already certified with those in formation so again a nice opportunity to grow that community as well and to be able to get to know each other and uh, share understanding of ministry i was out there while you were having your retreat and <laughs> One of the retreatants came out, and I said, hey, how you doing? And she said, oh, wonderful. I just came out of confession. So <laughs> it was the culmination of this whole retreat on shame, she said, and it was really great. It was so, great. Yeah. We had um, adoration, reconciliation, and then closed with mass with the Becoming Fire group Correct. as well, which is yeah. a good experience. Where we with, avoided the rain. We avoided the rain mm-hmm. with Bishop Woost. <laughs> it was great. How did you get mixed up in all this anyway? What, what made you become a lay ecclesial minister back in the day? It was honestly an invitation as part of my role as a youth minister at St. Helens Parish. Father Jay McPhillips said, I would like you to become certified as, at the time, pastoral minister. And at our parish, we had two pastoral ministers working there at the time and wanted uh, for me to go through that process as well. So that began the journey. So I checked into, you know, understanding all that was part of it and then got my degree as well with the seminary nice you know i was thinking as cool is at the so just to recap where all this is taking place it's out in wickliffe at a place called the center for pastoral leadership Uh, before 1991 that was borneo college of ohio and our saint mary's seminary used to be on ansel road which is by the art museum in severance Um, but all that came together in 1991 bishop pilla decided we're going to put all these ministry folks together and we're going to use the Wycliffe campus as, as a hub for uh, training of ministers. So the, the big entities out there are St. Mary's Seminary, Bormeo Seminary, the Lay Ecclesial Ministry Program, the uh, Ongoing Formation for Clergy Program, um, the Permanent Diaconate Program, and then the vocation offices out there too. So there are six entities, not to mention there's a grade school on campus as well, All Saints, and a lot of other things that are going on there. Um, but what I thought of the other day, and I, it didn't occur to me uh, before, was now that you are in charge of lay ecclesial ministry, and now that Father Turner is the new president rector of both St. Mary's Seminary and uh, Borromeo Seminary, we have two, uh, our first two Gen X 
uh, folks leading those uh, ministries. And mm-hmm. that wasn't the case before. It was always a baby boomer or greatest generation. Mm-hmm. So you're the first Gen Xer. Uh, Gen Xers born between 1964 and 1981. Um, so we're all part of the Gen, Gen X. Uh, Correct. Gen, well, the, the generation. Yeah, generation, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, that's kind of, it was kind of cool to think about. And it is a nice opportunity for that, being that Center for Pastoral Leadership, too, to combine our ministries. I know for our formation this year, we have Saturday workshops as part of formation, and every one of those will begin with Mass with the um, diaconate group and breakfast with their wives as well as we start our day and then go on to our workshop. And our first September workshop Father Andy Turner is leading it on the Strength Finders, and the seminarians are taking part in it with our people in formation. So it really brings us together in formation because we'll be working together in the church. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. The folks who are in permanent diacon formation, such as myself, we were all excited to hear that you guys were going to be out with us uh, from time to time. So we're like, good, because we're all going to be working together at some point, right? It's great to form those relationships early. Indeed. I'm going to say a thought out loud just because I'm, if I don't, it's going to bother me. So I was thinking of the five living generations today. So mm-hmm. greatest generation, baby boomers, mm-hmm. Gen X, millennial, and the Zoomers. Mm-hmm. Only two, greatest generation and Gen X, have the word generation in their <laughs> title. But baby boomers don't, millennials don't, and Zoomers don't. And that's interesting. Okay, that was a tangent. I just had to say it. <laughs> you could edit it out if you want. No, we'll, but keep, it's, we'll it's, keep it in. It's, it's worth pondering. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, that, that was what I did my first book on, was the difference between Gen X and Millennials, uh, for the most part. So, yeah. There's a, a woman named Jean Twangy who wrote a book called oh, yeah. The I Generation, yeah, right. which they really didn't take that name, but it is about the Zoomers, like those born after 1996. Like Mary Correct. Fugate would be part yes. of that. I think Carrie, Shel- Carrie Regan, maybe, yes. on our floor. Those are people on our floor. Um, but I guess she just wrote a new book on all the generations, oh, like really? a, a, reca- a recapitulation of the generations. So that would be something interesting um, because we all have different experiences of, of church because of the time that we grew up in the church. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And world events as mm-hmm. well as you know, your own personal events. Right. So those all right. contribute. All right? that yeah. cultural setting, all, all that stuff, yeah. So, Michelle, if I wanted to become a lay ecclesial minister, what would I, what, how would I go about doing that? The first step would be to, you could contact our office. You could also check out our website through the Diocesan Parish Life website is the lay ecclesial ministry website as well to get information. Contacting me, then you'd have the opportunity to see and share time with us in prayer and get more information about the program. And in January, we will have an information night, as lot, like a large-scale information night, but one-on-one opportunity to talk about the program and the requirements for that as well. And, and do I have to be like hired by my parish already? Do I have to be active in a parish? Like what, you know, what are some of the touchstones there? You don't. Before? You don't have to already be working in ministry to, um, to go into the program of formation as, and because part of the formation process is to end that certification and then be hired, right, in a parish or through the diocese. You do not, though. And you don't even have to have had background necessarily in theology for mm. the academic pieces, although it's always a it's good always, thing to begin. Yeah. But um, if feeling the call, maybe working or having volunteered and wanting more um, in your church parish work as a place to start. Right. 
might help if you had a background, but doesn't. But it is it not a requirement. It, right, it won't it hurt is, you if you don't. Yeah, no, that is correct. <laughs> so you were a youth minister at your parish, and you were a DRE, right? And you I was. were head of the theology department. What other, what other ministries would lay ecclesial ministers be involved in? So besides the parish catechetical leaders, you have pastoral associates, school principals uh, is listed under uh, in the co-workers document as well. Um, those in um, coordinators of liturgy or worship, mm. music as well. And um, youth ministers, campus ministers, those would all be under the umbrella of what is considered a lay ecclesial minister. And I know that parish. you have talked and you're thinking about perhaps a spiritual director's track. Where does that stand now? Or is that, if someone wanted to be a spiritual director, would are, are you prepared for that kind of training yet? Or is that down the road? Or what are your thoughts? That would be a vision for the program to mm-hmm. maybe specialize in an area of spiritual direction. Um, it is part of the formation is the spiritual formation, but not a... There is not, as of yet, a spiritual tract okay. um, for someone to be formed. There's, you know, John Carroll has the Ignatian Spirituality Institute mm-hmm. for the training of spiritual directors in the area. Um, but outside of that, that is definitely a vision that I have for the program because there's such a great need uh, for spiritual directors um, beyond all of our, our priests in the diocese and religious that have been asked, and then those that are certified to be spiritual directors too. Mm-hmm. So that would be a great, I think, a great addition to Indeed. the pastoral ministry or lay ecclesial ministry program. Yeah, we get plenty of requests for people looking for a mm-hmm. good spiritual director. I just did a little workshop in spiritual direction at it, uh, Becoming Fire, and um, the number of people who are like, sort of like, oh, yeah, this is something I really need to do was astounding. I was like, okay, good. We've mm-hmm. kind of planted that seed now. But now we have to find spiritual directors for people Absolutely. at the same time, right? So in terms of formation, I'm more familiar with the, how seminaries do formation. I'm wondering, do lay ecclesial ministers follow the same, like, four domains of human, spiritual, um, intellectual, pastoral? Exactly. Is that written in the documents? Too? That's yeah. right. So yeah. the, in, the intellectual is the academic piece of the uh, requirement of certain hours of certain courses mm-hmm. that have to be um, completed. And then the first year of formation is the human formation. And there are certain standards that have to mm-hmm. be met um, to see, you know, are, have you been formed? Um, are you, you know, in all of these specific areas. Second year is spiritual, and then the third year is pastoral. Okay. And I think a lot of ways the mentoring and field experience help with the pastoral awesome. as well. Sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, that's great. So, Michelle, thanks for joining us today. It's um, great to have you. And glad that, you know, you're, here, you're sort of up at Wycliffe most of the time, but down here every once in a while. So it's good to see you in the office. Thanks. Good to be here. And, hey, we just finished Nine Nights of Night Prayer. And, uh, well, you took a trip. <laughs> I did. Well, I took a trip every night yeah. because I visited all nine parishes. And that's one of my favorite parts of being Vicar for Evangelization, Secretary for Parish Life, is going out to the parishes and meeting people and hearing about what's going on at their parish and making connections and even visiting churches that I've never visited before. So although I visited all nine of the locations, uh, I've concluded on the ninth night all the way down in Loudonville, which is the most southern tip of our diocese. St. Peter's is the parish, and it's actually closer to the Cathedral of the Diocese of Columbus than it is to St. John's Cathedral up here in Cleveland. So it's about 80 miles south of downtown Cleveland. And the parish life coordinator is a guy named 
Ken Couric, who's a great man, and he's been a parishioner there for some time. So they have priests that come and visit each weekend. So it's a newer model of parish, but the parish is on fire down there. So hello to everyone if you're listening to the podcast down from Loudonville. Uh, I did not have a mass scheduled for that day, so I asked Ken if I could take the evening mass. And so I took the evening mass at seven and stuck around for night prayer. Uh, But also, I should say, before I did that, I stopped at Country Parlor Ice Cream at their headquarters in North Royalton and picked up two buckets of Black Madonna ice cream because Country Parlor, although they do deliver far and wide in Northeast Ohio, they don't deliver all the way down to Loudonville. So I put the the buckets of ice cream in in a cardboard box in my trunk and drove them down there, and they did not melt in that hour and 20-minute drive and uh, (laughs) tasted that ice cream after. The church, if you haven't been down there, was restored recently, and it's gorgeous. It's it's small, um, but uh, beautiful, quaint, and the people sing, and they participate. And what what that region is probably best known for is Mohican, canoeing, kayaking, all the water sports. So um, a lot of people go down there to camp, and I think... Although the parish is pretty active, it's very active in the summertime. So it was a it was a Tuesday night when I was there. Mm. Um, just a wonderful time. So if you've never been down to Loudonville, uh, take a trip. It's it's lovely. Are we required to bring country parlor ice cream with us if we go? Uh, you may you may have to. Although I'm sure they have some some uh, local ice cream down there. And depending on what exit you get off at, you may get off at the exit where Grandpa's Cheese Barn is. So maybe oh, yeah. you get some of Grandpa's cheese. Uh, Everybody loves the ice cream man, though. So they do. You know. A lot of people like cheese too. I love cheese. It's true. My wife loves cheese. Mm-hmm. If, if you if you ever go to a party, if you're looking for my wife, just look for the cheese. You'll mm. find her. She'll That's she'll good. be right there. Cheese is a good thing. One yeah, of my partner is. teachers at Borneo, Dr. Beth Rath, she does not like cheese at all. So mm. yeah. So some people like cheese, some don't. Maybe what? cheese in an ice cream. No. Mm-hmm. No. That would be gross. That does not sound good. No. They're both dairy. A little, little but too much dairy, yeah. Too much dairy. Oh, might yeah. be a little overload. Darn know. it. What a friend we have in cheeses. Anyway, <laughs> that was a Father Dan Schleichel joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. And then uh, we'll take a look at our readings for this coming Sunday, uh, which is the 22nd Sunday in ordinary time. Uh, I took a look at the psalm this week. So, my soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. One of my favorites from Psalm 63, uh, that we always long for God in all that we do. Hmm. I actually took a look. My what stood out to me was from the first reading. Um, I oh, I have loved Jeremiah and how he would cry out to God. And the one line I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak in his name no more. But then it becomes like a fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. And I think of all the times that we experience suffering, and you know, like on a personal note, like times that I've ever experienced great suffering, and think that's it. I'm just gonna. I, like somehow it's going to make a difference if I turn away from God, right? Like I'm going to show him for my suffering, but you can't because you just know too much and your heart burns with that passion for, for the Lord. And I, like where, where would I go, right? Mm-hmm. Just like Jeremiah. So mm-hmm. I grow weary holding it in. I can't endure it. I too, like Jeremiah, he was a young prophet. He thought he was too young. God called him anyway. He had a plan for him. And then the reading starts, you duped me, O Lord, <laughs> and I let myself be duped. And I've been there. I actually uh, preached on that fairly recently that 
not this particular passage, but that the Lord tricked me as he does, but in a good way because he loves me. He, he calls me here and I think I'm going there, but then he brings me over here because that's where he needs me and that's where I need to be. So that's kind of funny. And it's nice to know that the prophets all went through that too. It's like, oh, okay, that helps me understand my own experience because I felt like you duped me. But you're still faithful to me, too, and that's the, that's the important part. My friend, Father Mark Massa of the Society of Jesus, he um, had a blog back in the day called You Duped Me, Lord. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was, it was actually very good. Um, Is he at Loyola, Chicago? That uh, he was, at he's at Loyola, New Orleans, actually, I oh, believe. Okay. Um, Is he a poet? Um, Is he right on literature or something? I know his name. I know the name. There, so there's two Mark, I'm just going to say Massa off the top. So there's a Mark Massa, oh. who is um, a scholar of Catholic uh, Catholic America, basically. Oh, okay. And then, uh, so he did a lot of American uh, Catholic studies kind of stuff. That was his area. And he's at Boston College now. He was at Fordham when I was okay. there. Um, that's not the Mark that I'm talking about. Father, this, this Father Mark is Father Mark Massa, M-O-S-S-A, oh. as opposed to M-A-S-S-A. Oh. But the two of them have been getting each other's mail for years. Both Jesuits? Both Jesuits. Oh, that is so confusing. Both, both of the New Orleans province. Wow. So, <laughs> That's like having Mike Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S, and Mike H-A-Z-E. Or H-A-Y-S, yeah, is another yeah. spelling, yeah. There were two Mike Hayes in my house alone, I always say, because my father's, I'm a oh. junior, yeah, my, mm. my father's name is Michael, too, so... You know, it was great growing up. You know, phone rings. Hi, is Mike there? Big Mike or Little Mike? You know, you hated that when you were 15 years old. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, I'm taller than my father, I used to well, say. Sometimes one goes by Michael and the other yes. one goes by Mikey or Mick or something. But you both went by Mike? Uh, my father was Mike and I was Michael in the house, basically. Oh. So this way they can differentiate. Um, but then when I got older, I sort of resented that. So mm. I kind of went by Mike. Michelle, did you ever have a nickname? Shell. Yeah. Shell. Okay. Yes, that is the nickname that I received because I refused to go by and made it clear that I did not want to ever be Shelly. Oh. Uh, I don't know why. And there's that's a great name for I just didn't was not one I wanted. So. And your husband calls you Babelicious. Yeah, Babelicious. That's the other <laughs> term that I have. That's my nickname. That's, well, <laughs> Michelle's husband is the youth minister down at St. Mary's in Hudson. So I was a co-worker in the vineyard with him for four years. And I remember he's like, yeah, Babelicious says this. I'm like, who the heck is Babelicious? <laughs> and it turns out it's Michelle Nowak. So. That's a great nickname. One yeah. time he was in the ER and he was asking, he was in a lot of pain. Yeah. So And he was asking them to find Babelicious in the reading room. <laughs> so when they came out, yeah, there's only so many that have that nickname. That, that was me. You can imagine being the, the nurse who had a walk and go, no, ah, Babelicious? Is there, that's is exactly there a Babelicious here? That's me. <laughs> that's me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the me. music starts playing. Yes. Exactly. That's great. All right. So uh, I think we've exhausted our topic on lay ecclesial ministry. But uh, Michelle, thanks for joining us and uh, good luck in your new role. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And we'll have this and a whole lot more next time on Question of the Day.